Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 49 for July 20th, 2006, NetStat. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. It's time to talk security with Steve Gibson. Hey, Steve. Hey, Leo. Great to be back with you. I was in uh, Boston earlier in the week. Boy, was it hot. It's hot everywhere. It's hot today. It's hot. Yeah. Well, and and I don't know about Northern California, but down here in the South, I guess because of monsoon season, it is so humid. Oh, that's unusual. It's it's not dry heat, which, you know, is no, because then, then your own body's natural perspiration can't can't be really used very effectively to cool you off <laughs> yeah, through evaporative cooling. So, And we're learning yeah. something about all kinds of things in this show. <laughs> you're you're kind of one of them autodidacts, aren't you? Where you just... uh, well, I, I'm curious about everything. Yeah. So I spend time here and there learning what I can. But I didn't realize, I mean, and people may not, that, you know, since we're on the topic, that we are, even though we're not like sweating profusely, we're constantly perspiring as part of our body's temperature regulation system and we depend upon it being dry in order to be for perspiration to evaporate which creates the cooling effect because of course it takes energy to move uh water into vapor so that that reduces our temperature well, i'm switching right now because it's really <laughs> hot out here I, uh, the reason i brought it up is I, I was approached by a cable guy in texas and he said, you know, I'm a small cable operator in uh, Texas, and we love security now, and we would just like to know if we can kind of, I don't know, send it to our customers or something, so that, because it's, it's just, we want them to know this information. And I thought, bravo. And I said, absolutely, please do. Um, you know, our license prohibits commercial usage without permission, so he was right to ask for permission. But I, I think you'd agree that we're just here to get that information out, and I think it's wonderful that an Internet service provider would actually give this podcast to his customers oh absolutely saying you know listen to this you need to know this stuff yeah and you know i would imagine that some percentage of them might will hopefully get hooked and think hey i want to i want to know about this stuff well it's good for us absolutely any you know any way we can build the audience we're happy to do it although uh the audience numbers are out and we're we're pretty much over a hundred thousand every show now so that's that's very good news very cool uh and i also wanted to mention that there's a big windows security flaw i sent you this link yesterday guess what the wmf flaw that you've been talking about (laughs) Well, that we talked about, you know, very controversially at the beginning of the year, that was the, you know, the, the first big news of 2006 was the Windows Metafile vulnerability that was discovered. It basically, old code, for whatever reason, in Windows that allowed images, just a standard old image. That's what that a WMF file is. It's, a, it's an image it, file. It, exactly. To, to execute code that was contained in the image. And uh, not surprisingly, there have been, uh, you know, sort of in the background, relatively quietly, malware and, and malicious sites have been using this on to exploit, to install Trojans of various sorts in unpatched computers. What you found yesterday, Leo, was really sort of alarming because apparently uh, the very popular MySpace domain, uh, as well as several others, have been 
hosting some ads that contain and use the Windows Metafile vulnerability. And by backtracking where the ads go and what the malware was doing, the um, some 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 security researchers ha- are of the opinion that more than a hundred, I'm sorry, more than a million instances of of this malware has been installed using this Windows Metafile vulnerability, yeah. which well, <laughs> that's, that's a big amazing. number. Well, but what's really puzzling is you know. Who, who, what million people? Because in order to, I mean, this vulnerability was fixed, as you'll remember, even out of Microsoft's normal upgrade cycle because it was such a big problem, you know, and um, they they patched it, you know, six months ago. Well, and we had Ilfac on on mm-hmm. the show, talk, you know, because he he came up with a quick little fix for it in order to because we didn't know if Microsoft was going to. So for someone to be infected by this today, they they can't have updated the security on their machine all year. I mean, for for seven months. Well, we now of course MySpace is huge. These were pushed out in a banner ad, uh, which was provided by a provider. So MySpace didn't push the ad or even host it. They they you know they the as with all banner ads, they're hosted by the. They were using agency. a third party, third a third party, party. right? Yep. And, and web shots and a number of other sites also apparently pushed out the ad. But the point is, is so many MySpace is so huge, tens of millions of subscribers, uh, that it was possible for them to infect a million computers. Uh, uh, but again, a million Shh, not not patched computers. Yeah, yeah. So you know, certainly nobody listening to this show no. needs to worry oh, because I, I, there's nobody oh. li- there's there's nobody li- listening to us that isn't you know updating their machine all the time. And and uh, the other thing to point out is that you would get this virus uh, not through any action on your own, and that's what really made it deadly. Just by looking at this MySpace page, if that banner ad happened to come up and you had an unpatched computer uh, and you were using Internet Explorer, uh, you, you'd be bit. Yep. You'd, you'd have that code, and they were putting a Trojan horse code on people's computers. So, wow, uh, really a dramatic example of what can happen if you don't follow basic security procedures. Okay, any other issues we want to cover before we get to our topic at hand? I think we're ready to go. What is the topic at hand? I didn't ask. Um, network monitoring. Mm. Um, and, th- you know, th- of course, that phrase or that that term has many different meanings um in this case i want to talk about um a a tool which is built in to well that that started back with unix and is in virtually every machine whether it's a unix mac linux freebsd and even windows from the beginning it's a it's a command called netstat and the the issue is how do you know what your machine is doing, what connections it has to the internet, what services may be open and and running in your machine, wanting to accept connections, and basically sort of like what's going on in your machine. Now there's there's the netstat command that I want to that I'm going to sort of focus on, and then there's a a GUIized version that our friends at Sys Internals. Um, Mark Rasunovich um, uh, wrote. Oh, and by the way, there, there is a bit of news. <laughs> Not really wonderful news from the standpoint of the whole industry. Uh, Sys Internals <clears throat> is now a division of Microsoft. Oh, no. 
<laughs> oh no! Oh, and Internals is and it, it, Mark Rosinovich, I guess, is the the front man, but I think there's others involved. But well, yeah, he, he and Bryce are are, are the, the two, two guys. main guys, and and Mark is the the heavy duty coder who's written over the last ten years. Sis Internals is ten years old. It was founded in 1996, and it took. You know, they grew it and built it, and it became a serious, you know, wonderful resource. We've you talked bet. about Sys Internals utilities all the time. They Mark discovered a, the Sony Rootkit, uh, most notably, but they've done a well, lot of other things. Well, and it was Rootkit Revealer that we've talked about. Which is their program. Yeah. That's another one of Mark's pieces of freeware. I mean, Sys Internals distributes a whole bunch of freeware. Then, then they have their commercial side, which is Winternals. And they sell, you know, like some, in some cases, pro versions of their freeware and stuff that they don't offer in freeware. But I mean, just, it's been a tremendous source of, of tr- super utilities over the last 10 years. And Microsoft decided, uh, that they wanted it all. Well, I'm thrilled for Mark and Bryce. I hope they made a ton of money. Yes, in uh, fact, he, he and I exchanged an email yesterday because I told him I was I wanted to talk about TCP View, which mm-hmm. is his GUIized version of Netstat. But not surprisingly, the moment the announcement was made, you could hardly get to their site. <laughs> yeah, I bet <laughs> because everybody was like, was "Oh no! Before it goes away, I want to get oh, everything." And I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure Microsoft will keep all that stuff up. I would hope. Um, I wouldn't be that sure. Really? Immediately, all of the EULAs changed. Oh, dear. And and the terms began to change. Uh, Mark explained. The reason I exchanged email a couple times with Mark yesterday was I said, you know, no one can get to your site now. I mean, it was literally, it was slash dotted, as they say, because so many people were trying to grab the latest stuff state of the site before it went away if it was going to right you know and we we've had things go away before that we thought would be here forever so anyway mark explained that he was just in the process then of moving the site to much faster hardware and connection and and sure enough it's, uh, it's now, now back up and yeah. running and just fine because i wa- i wanted to ask him whether i could redistribute tcp view he said um, I am no longer in control oh, of the site. So that's no longer his responsibility. Mm. Somebody at Microsoft presumably has taken that over. I mean, he is excited. It is a, certainly, I'm sure he and Bryce did really well in being acquired by Microsoft with, you know, probably huge stock trade and so yeah. forth. So, and, and you know what? Microsoft can really use their skills and their tools. So I'm, I think it's... If it if it gets their stuff out to a broader audience, I'm happy about it. But uh, we do hope that they'll continue to offer the stuff for free that they have been offering because it's so useful, and they'll continue to do the work they've been doing. Well, also, Mark has really continually been moving the code forward, adding features here and there. Right. You know, I mean, really tending his 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 flock of freeware. Well, he deserves a that. Day. That will end. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it is pretty much. It's pretty clear that we're not going to continually have. Um, you know, a, a forward motion of those things. I mean, I think this era is over. So, for what it's worth, for people listening to the podcast who know, you now. <laughs> to, yeah. Well, and all you might just go to it's it's www.sysinternals s y s i n t e r n a l s dot com, and just browse around. There's there's OS utilities, network utilities, you know, security stuff, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, I would advise that you go sooner rather than later, and just. Grab the things that look good to you. I have to point out, this is one of the reasons I'm a fan of open source. Had he open sourced it and GPL did, it wouldn't matter if he was going to continue to develop it because others would. 
but uh, we're not in that position now. Microsoft owns it. Right. So it's, right. you know, that, that, is, that is one reason why I'm a big fan of open source utilities. Uh, the other reason is that you can look at the source and make sure they do what they say they're going to do. He releases some source, I think, but uh, I don't think he's open sourced any of it. So. Correct. He, he has, he's sort of, what, what, what he'll do is he'll have sort of juniorized versions of his utilities in source form um, just because he wants to give things away. And, right. you know, I mean, he was truly a factor to the community. And then the more fancy things would normally not be available in source. And as I said, he does also have some some commercial uh, for pay pro versions. There, for example, there is a TCP View Pro that offers some additional features um, f- beyond what the free one does. Right. Oh, well, you, you hit me with a, <laughs> a shot, yeah. but you can yeah. still get TCP view. And so, and actually I've always used Netstat. I didn't realize TCP view was a GUI front end on that. So that's good to know. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and in fact, uh, it, it, it's interesting now, as you know, Leo, I'm becoming a little more of a Mac person recently. Um, I, I've had to, uh, I've been working with um, some new technology for the GRC site. Uh, wanting to do menuing, add some good navigation and menuing to grc.com, which is, you know, it sorely needs. And uh, I wanted to make sure that it would run under Safari and and the the older IE um, 5.2 uh, over on the Mac. So I've been over on the Mac, and I thought, you know, I ought to make sure that the stuff I'm going to talk about today, if there are issues for, like, the netstat command on the Mac, that I that I talk about that. So... I'm uh, adding a little more Mac support to my to my repertoire. Right. Good. Well, thank goodness somebody gave you a MacBook. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the the neat guys at, at Nerds on Site, um, they wanted me to participate in their conference at the end of this month uh, via iChat, so they provided me with a MacBook so that I could do that. They've done more good than they could know. <laughs> the Mac community thanks them. So, uh, Netstat, well, and, and there is an analog to Netstat. In fact, I think it's called Netstat in, uh, in Unix and in, on the Macintosh, is there not? Oh, it started there. I mean, yeah. it was Netstat on Unix. The, the idea is, okay, so, so let, let's, let, let's rewind things a little bit here. Um, you've got a computer. We've talked many times about how there's an, a, a, a NIC, a network interface uh, card, a, a, a network adapter, which is connecting you physically to the net. Then we've talked about this, the, the so-called TCP/IP stack. This uh, essentially a, a a stack of of layers. That's why it's called a stack of 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 technology that interfaces the low-level inter the um, internet um, raw data to the operating system. Well, and, and and we've talked about the UDP protocol and TCP and the notion of listening ports and ports being open and connections being established, you know, and SYN packets and ACKs and all that. Well, the netstat command, which originated with all of this technology, which originated in Unix and uh, was then moved over into Windows and, and other uh, Unix-like uh, operating systems, it's the network status command that allows you to to find out what's going on now it for that reason it's it's really useful there there's really nothing else that does this and that's why i wanted to give it its own episode of security now to talk about the netstat command and to 
to introduce it to people, to invite people. Um, this is the kind of thing you're probably going to want to listen to this podcast again. Maybe if you're listening to it in your car while you're commuting, you're going to want to you know, rewind it, listen to it again, sitting in front of your computer and poking at this as I talk about what this command does and how useful it is. Because it allows you to know exactly what's going on with this lower-level networking in real time in your computer. This is the way... I'll run the Unix version on my Mac, and everybody else run the Windows version, and I'll tell you if there's any differences on here. Well, and and for that reason, over on Unix, you want to fire up your your terminal application. I've got it up here. And... And in Unix, the the so-called sockets, uh, which is what the term that Unix originated, over in Unix, it's used much more extensively than it is in Windows. There are something um, called domain sockets, and if you just do the netstat command on a Mac, you'll see oh boy. way more <laughs> <of> stuff, stuff. <laughs> yes, than you want. So what you need to do on a Mac is you need, there's an F command line option. So you'd say netstat space, then dash F-I-N-E-T. You can put a space between the F and the I-net if you want to. I-net short for internet. So if you do netstat, then space, dash uh. F-I-N-E-T, that says only show the internet socket activity, right. not the whole Unix. Don't, don't include the Unix sockets, which is not stuff that we're really have any interested at all right so so everything that i'm talking about um well and, and also i should say that the, the command lines i'm going to focus on the windows side because we have a you know that's a, where a, most a of huge, our listeners are yeah where most of our listeners are yeah. um also over on the mac if you have the terminal window open you can say man space netstat m-a-n mm-hmm. short for manual man space netstat that'll give you a screen of, of basically, uh, they'll help you translate the things I'm talking about specifically over into the Unix side. And, of course, this works for FreeBSD and Linux uh, as well listeners as yep. also. Yep. Right. All right, so we'll do the Windows version here. Now, first yes. of all, you've got to get your command line up by clicking Start, Entering, Run, and typing Netstat. Or actually, well, type I- Command, I'm sorry, CMD. And then you'll have a command line window, so you can do either this. that or in Windows users, all all Windows systems start out with an option under the Start menu that that says MS DOS Prompt. And so probably the easiest thing for people to do is just hit Start, go to Programs. I think it's under oh, Accessor. You have under that? Access- MS DOS Start really? Oh no, yeah. no MS DOS Prompt. Yeah, I have Command Prompt because it is or MS com- DOS and next Command Prompt. Right, right, right. Yeah, they've they've also changed the name. Uh, from time to time, there's no MS DOS anymore. That's why, and so and so that will bring up a window. Now, the, the do you want to start off also with sizing this correctly? Um, sometimes the window is sizable, in which case you want to probably stretch it out so it's the full height of your screen. When you are doing these things with Netstat, depending on how much network activity you have, Netstat will be doing sort of a log of everything happening on your machine, which can get long. So so. So the first thing you want to do is to stretch the window out, but you may want to be able to scroll back further if this window scrolls a lot. So the way you can do that is click on the little icon in uh, in, in Windows on the upper left-hand side of the window and then choose Properties. 
Then there's a, a, a tab there, the layout tab, shows both a screen buffer and a window size. If you change your screen buffer, this is in the number of lines, change that to maybe, I mean, it can be big. Set it to a 1,000 while you're doing this. Right, do that way right. you'll be able to scroll way back as far as you need to if, this, if the stuff we're doing scrolls off the window. So that will allow you now, so basically you've got now a command window opened, which allows you to enter commands and we, we've got the window, you know, so that it's it's tall on your screen. And if you set your screen buffer size to like a thousand, and then clicked OK a few times to to make it happy, you should now be able to scroll way back into the past. Yes. Um, for people who haven't used this command window a lot before, the, you want to know how to clear it in order to, from time to time. Like before you issue a command, you might want to just get rid of all of the history that is scrolled by. The command for that is CLS. Uh, that's the clear screen command. So CLS and then press enter will will wipe that window clean and get ready for your next command. So, okay, um, uh, if you just type netstat now and hit enter, you'll you'll get sort of a begin to get comfortable with what's going on. And I will encourage you not and you know, encourage everyone not to freak out. I mean, <laughs> it looks. Looks complicated, and it's got all kinds of stuff going on. But we're we're gonna sort of tackle this step by step and and simplify this so that it's pretty clear what's happening. Look, I actually I can see that I'm connected to uh, to Irvine, which I presume is is you. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. yeah, and see that's what's so cool is that say for example that that you were going over to a friend's house because their something was wrong with their computer, their modem light was flashing all the time, you know, their cable modem or DSL or it gotten really slow. I mean, and and the first thing. You you want to know is okay what's happening here with this computer should i you be know? concerned that i'm connected to france maybe we'll get to uh, well, that a little later on <laughs> well i mean and this is the beauty is remember that we're not here to like scare people we're here to give people tools yeah. that they can use to answer these questions themselves i would say leo that if you didn't expect to be connected to france then you will want to find out why you are. Why I so, am. for example, right now you could type netstat dash um, b. B stands for binaries. That okay. will add to the display those the the names of the programs that are responsible on a, for every line in that netstat display. Ah, okay. And and what that'll allow you to do is to find out which executable program in your system. Skype. Oh. Oh, interesting. What, am, I, am I a super node? Is that what that means? Oh, let's hope not. No, I would think you're behind a router. So I am. Although, although I've, you, I've opened, opened a, a port. hole in order to uh. make this uh, usable, and I see that somebody in Grenoble, France, is using me, as well as uh, uh, LAX, S San Francisco. I think probably these are you, the Comcast.net. <laughs> All of this is on Skype. This is interesting. Well, aren't you glad about Netstat? <laughs> a, you, I, I couldn't ask wow. for a be- I couldn't ask for a better example, Leo. Well, I'll take a screenshot and show people because people are going to uh, think we, we we're making this up I'm or we not, set this up. Yeah, no, I know. And in fact, um, uh, I once went to a a, a 
um, a home of some people who are having some serious problems with their machine. I think I referred to them before. I, the, the, there was a machine that was sending traffic to us located in Irvine. I, I, I went through the FBI to, to get their name and address, and the FBI contacted them and said, would you mind if uh, one of our friends came over and took a look at your computer? First thing I did was open a DOS box, type Netstat, and it was like, oh, my God. Mm. I mean, they had so much crud in their machine and a whole bunch of connections to 6667, which is the default IRC port. So, for example, if you say Netstat and you see 6667s, um, there's a very good chance that and, and when you're not knowingly using IRC, there's a chance that you've got an IRC Trojan that has connected to a remote IRC server and is is connected right now and waiting to receive commands following you know exactly what we were talking about before about about the whole bot armies and bot fleets right. and how all that works. So so the beauty of this is it's built into the system, it's always there, and you don't have to load or install or bring any software with you if you want to find out what some computer is doing. So in general, the Netstat display has four columns. The leftmost column says proto, and that's short for protocol. Um, we've talked about TCP and UDP. Um, Netstat always sorts the protocol so that the, the, all the TCP um, connections and activities are shown first, followed by UDP. Um, the, sec- the, 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 the second column is the local address column. Now, we've talked about how a, 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 a socket is an IP address and a port. So what you'll see there is either an IP address, you know, this, the, the, the standard something dot something dot something dot something. If, for example, if, it's, if we're looking at the local column, you might see your machine's own IP address, 192.168 dot something, you know, dot, dot zero dot one or, or, or whatever, then a colon and the port number. So the way the, way the so-called socket is displayed, the socket endpoint to, to use the the full terminology is an IP address and colon and the, then the the port number that is involved in that. Um, you may see things that that say 127.0.0.1. We talked about that um, w- with regard to the hosts file recently. That's called the local host IP. That's sort of a an abbreviation or just another IP that represents your own machine. I see so, that a lot on the Mac. I don't see it on my Windows machine particularly. Yeah. Also, o- over on the local side, you might see 0. 0.0.0.0. Mm-hmm. That's actually a, a wildcard IP. That means you know any IP. So, for example, if you have if you have some lines that show listening when when it displays, actually, if you just type netstat, like even dash b, you won't see any lines that show listening because the normal netstat command just all by itself only shows you um, either existing or recently closed connections. You need to say dash a. A stands for all. Then you'll see if you so if you say netstat dash a or over on the Mac you'd say netstat dash f inet and then space dash a um, that will now you will also see any listening sockets that's a lot so, longer list too yeah it is a lot longer list and these are so called open ports these are ports 
on on your machine due to processes running in your machine which are have open ports and are looking for incoming traffic now people should not freak out because this remember is the machine itself that's inside the firewall that might be running on your machine and and hopefully is if you don't have any other protection and it's inside your NAT router so the fact that these are open listening ports on your computer does not mean that they are exposed to the public internet let's mention example, a couple that you might see a lot of for instance uh, svchost.exe I see that all the time when I run software firewalls to say service host is trying to connect what is that? Um, that's a general sort of a, a, a generic hosting process that that contains a whole collection of of windows services uh. so so it, it, it's it, it's an executable that is sort of like a potpourri the way the way windows works you, you're able to have multiple services in a single executable so it might be it might be dns it might be your um your NetBIOS technology it, it could be any of the services that you see when, when you enumerate all of the services your system is running, many of them are are sort of collected inside a single service host.exe file. Right, and there's also LSAS. You see a lot of that. Yes, that that's the licensing uh, security service mm. service. And of course, Sasser um, took advantage of that and named itself LSSASS. Right, and that was a sign right. that Sasser. So let's hope we um, don't see you'll, that. You'll all you, in Windows. You'll often see uh, port one thirty five. So you'll see something mm. that is colon one thirty five. I ought to also mention. I mean, I, I intended to sort of get to the. Oh, I'm sorry, what, I interrupted what, you. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to do the I columns. Intended, we were doing the columns yeah, across. Well, I, yeah, because then we'll talk about command line options. Okay. Because um, you're probably seeing things like DNS right. and NetBIOS dot. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, various English versions. If you do dash N, N stands for numeric, then you'll see these things in numeric form rather than having them sort of Windows translating them into something easier. Mm. And I don't know, I'm just comfortable with port numbers because I know 53 is DNS and 135 is... uh, RPC and right, so forth. Right. Okay, so so the we, so we have the the first column is protocols. Second column is the the local endpoint, and the the third column is the remote or the foreign address. Well, that's the one that's that that's really interesting because this, and I'm sure this is where you've been seeing France and right. and Irvine and, right. and and San Francisco and so forth. These are the the IP and port to which your computer is connected at the moment. You, you'll see that if you do a netstat-a for all, which will show you listening, then, the, you, uh, then, then you'll see 0.0.0.0 colon and a port, meaning that it will accept any, it'll accept a connection incoming from any IP um, as uh, 0.0.0.0 being sort of a wild card, sort of like star dot star is in, in in our file system, and then and then then the final column is is called state, which is the the state that this connection or potential connection is in. Um, most common uh, states are listening, meaning that you have an, an a, a, I mean, a classic open port listening for any incoming traffic. If you actually have connections established, that is, you know, I, I mean, 
that's what was that that we, we we've talked about the the TCP three-way handshake that establishes a connection, and so now you have a, an agreement between a local your local machine and some remote machine. Then the word established will appear in that column, meaning that that is an actual connection right now that exists between your machine and that remote IP and port that is able to exchange traffic. And sometimes people will see time underscore wait. Time wait is a state that TCP goes into at the end of of an established connection as it's being um, torn down that, that prevents packets coming in late from confusing the system. So it's sort of like a, a, a delay before those endpoints can be used again. It, it sort of holds that connection out of use to allow the packets that might be still floating around the Internet to, 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 to die or, or no longer arrive before it will sort of release that for reuse so that a new connection isn't confused by an old connection's I, you know, similar endpoint packets coming along. So generally you'll see listening, meaning you've got open ports and something is listening for incoming packets to accept a connection, established for an existing connection, or time wait for one that was just connected but is no longer connected. Then less common are sort of more of the of the um, TCP plumbing. Sometimes you might see SYN received or SYN sent that literally refers to the SYN packets we've talked about often that are involved in, in establishing a connection. So that means that um, that a connection is in the process of being set up. Normally that happens so quickly that you won't see it in a netstat command, but I've seen them, and, and in fact, on a busy server, you typically will see them. You now, may netstat also... isn't always updating itself, though, right? So Actually, netstat doesn't. It takes a snapshot right then. There is a command line option that I think it's I for interval that allows you to say, you know, Keep doing do it. this... Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Do it repetitively. That's one of the cool things about TCP view. Basically, everything I've talked about here applies to the GUI version of this that Mark wrote um, at SysInternals, TCP view. And it has a very nice feature where it does automatically update itself. I think it's about every five seconds. And you can control that interval. And even cooler is it will highlight with a green and a red highlight on the line as new things are added and as old things go away to sort of draw your eye to the changes that are occurring in this list. So so one thing that people could do if they wanted to experiment with this would be to open their web browser and do a little bit of web surfing, maybe jump to a few different sites, and then do a netstack command over in their DOS box. And you'll suddenly see a bunch of stuff that wasn't there before. You'll see established connections and time wait that is previously established connections right there in the display. And you'll see the IP address and port, or maybe even the host name, that is the domain name and port, um, if the system has, is, is looking that up for you. So the, the final thing you may see, there's one fifth column called PID, which is the process ID. People who have used Task Manager before may have turned on the column that shows you the process ID of the various programs. This is a sort of a, a, a universal 
token which the system uses to identify and essentially to number all the processes that are running in it at any given time. There are some commands, uh, command line options to Netstat, which which, pro- which produce additional information we'll talk about next, and that also causes this PID, the process ID column, to display, although it's not particularly useful information um, unless you have some use for, like, associating that with uh, the task manager display. Yeah, it's more useful to Unix folks who, who can then list processes and kill processes and that kind of right. stuff. Right. Yeah. So in terms of command line options, so now we've got we've got a DOS box, we've got, a, we've got the window open, we've got our scroll, so we can scroll back if this link is long. Um, you can always, over on the Windows side, you can always say netstat space slash question mark, sort of the standard tell me, you know what commands to use. So, it, so it's a way of asking for like online help for the Netstat command. This is important because, for example, Windows 2000 has a different set of commands than Windows XP does. XP ha- has added some really nice new features, and since most people are all, all over on XP, that's where I'm focusing. But and so, if this doesn't work, if some of the things I'm talking about, for example, XP um, Windows 2000 does not show you the process processes associated with the line items that Netstat has. There is no dash B for binaries, so you're not able to do that. So you might, over on Windows 2000, do Netstat space slash question mark, and that will show you which command line options are available in your version of Netstat. And this even works on Windows 98. I mean, Netstat has always been there since the TCP IP stack arrived over on Windows. So it's, it's interesting because Windows has a number of command line utilities and always has like IP config and netstat that are very useful, but I think people don't really know they exist unless they have to troubleshoot a network connection or something like right. that. Right. Well, it's funny, too, because, I mean, I had never given the man netstat command to a Mac. Isn't that and I was think <laughs> And I was thinking, gee, I wonder, you know, does the Mac have the oh, yeah. full set of manuals? Well, and it doesn't have the full set, but it has a lot of manuals for a lot yep. of, yeah. It's very handy because you can always find out more about a program. Right. So over on Netstat, the, the, we've talked about the dash A command. A stands for all, whereas where Netstat normally shows you only established connections in order to find out what ports are listening and what services are associated with those listening ports, you need to, um, do, to, to add an A to the command line options, A for all, and then you'll see a lot more information. Uh, the B command for over on Windows XP also says, show me which binaries, the, that is the executables, are, are responsible on a line-by-line basis for, for being involved with this particular element of, of the, the stack, either something listening or something that has a connection in your machine. And that's, a, that's very valuable because it'll, it'll give you the application name. Um, it's good if you at least know what it is. For example, Leo, I'm sure you saw Skype.exe. Yeah, I mean, that's when, pretty obvious. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what Skype yeah. is. Now, on the other hand, you're not sure why it seems to be connecting all over the planet. But that's a start. Which, I mean, at least I know who's connecting. Exactly. Can and you it's spoof an, that information? Um, uh... 
I mean, I guess you could if you it's named impossible. yourself Skype.exe. Exactly. In fact, that was what my original leak test program, you know, I wrote the first firewall leak tester that, that anyone ever created, just called it leak test. And what I realized was the firewalls were, the early firewalls were saying, hey, we're going to make sure that only applications you permit are able to use your internet connection. It's like, well, that's good. But at the time, there was only one firewall that was also at the time my favorite favorite firewall zone alarm of course that's no longer true now i'm a, a Cario fan um but uh o- only zone alarm was actually checking the basically a a, a cryptographic fingerprint of the application oh. they were doing a hash to make sure that it really was the same application you had given permission to so all malware had to do was call itself explorer.exe or you know right. or or iExplorer.exe to to masquerade as Internet Explorer, everyone would have given Internet Explorer permission through their firewall, or they wouldn't be able to web surf. And so, so anyway, the, the uh, le- my little leak test became very popular, and with, within a very short period of time, every firewall manufacturer was virtually forced by their users to add this feature, and now no firewall doesn't check to make sure it's really the application that you gave permission to. So presumably, because of fingerprinting, when Netstat says it's Skype, it is Skype. Actually, no. Fingerprinting wouldn't prevent that forgery at this level it uh-huh. would it would prevent it from getting out of your firewall if you were running Got a it. personal firewall on your machine so there is no there is no protection that this is actually skype uh when i'm looking at it in netstat that is true okay that is true. For example, what what you could do is, for well, for one thing, if you weren't running Skype and it said Skype is doing this, it's like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it. And, wh- and what you could do is, but don't do it now, Leo, because we are using <laughs> Skype. You, like before, you mean. <laughs> uh, you could you, you could close Skype right. and then run Netstat again. See what happened, right. And exactly, see if all the Skype entries went away as you would expect them to. Right. So, I mean, this is a, an incredibly powerful tool tool that I'm really glad we're talking about because for people who want to know what their computer is doing, um, this does it. So just, so just to finish with these, a couple last command line options, A for all, B for showing binaries, N, instead of uh, the normal display, it uh, tries to do DNS lookups for the IPs, which is useful by default and unless you want to see what the actual IP and port number is, you can get that by saying N, which is short for numeric. So that says, give me this display in just numeric form, numeric IPs and ports, instead of you know friendly human domain names and and um, English versions of the port, like 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 DNS instead of 53, for example. Is there any reason, any time you'd prefer that over uh, the English language? I uh, actually do. I, you do because you know I, the numbers exactly. But but I'm so so anyway, it's there as, as an like, option. Even if you know the numbers, though, you know, you don't know uh, uh, some of the internet addresses. So the reverse lookup that it does on that is very useful. Very good point. Yeah, yes, yeah. and the last one uh, is a V option. Now I couldn't think of what V could possibly stand for, except perhaps perhaps very much more than you ever wanted to know. Verbose. 
is what it stands oh, there you go that's exactly yeah, what it's for yeah, it's yes. a lot of unix commands <laughs> it's it's a, it's noisy the noisy version oh well in fact uh, in in windows xp it is that to a, to an extreme what it does is it shows you not only which executable what is behind what's going on but then in in reverse order it shows you the hierarchy of of internal windows modules which have been invoked in a stack in a chain essentially all the way back down to the the, the lowest level it can get so for example skype is probably invoking something else which is invoking something else which is invoking something else so i would imagine i i i'm not doing it i'm sure you can leo if if you were to do i'm doing it right now and it's gone on for quite a while <laughs> yeah it just it's like i said very much more than you ever wanted to know yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't really think that's very useful, except for real serious computer guys. If you didn't recognize what your application was by name, it might be that something it was calling would be more familiar. Although you'd still need to know what that that main binary was that was you know starting up all of this traffic. Right. So that would be very useful. So you can also concatenate these. For example, you could say netstat space hyphen abn. Um, uh, or A, B, N, V, just all running together in order to put those together. Um, or uh, probably just A, B. I would think that's probably going to be the most popular connection, uh, collection because that's going to give you all of what's happening and tell you what the binaries are. So you'll be able to see who is doing connections, who is listening to ports, and and what's going on. Yeah, that's the one I use pretty much exclusively. Yep. Yeah. Netstat space A, B. Space dash, maybe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think slash or dash both work. Oh, okay. So, so either way. Anyway, there is a, a short course on netstack command, a very useful command which can be used. You know, a, again, no software needs to be installed. It's it's available on any machine you approach. You want to know what's going on? This thing will tell you. Now, and again. Remember that listening ports are ports that are open on your machine internally, but not any which are exposed externally. Um, if you wanted to find out for sure, you could use Shields Up, you know, at, at my at mygrc.com to to you're able to use the custom port probe feature that the GRC has. You can put in any ports that you want specifically checked, and I will send. Um, from GRC servers, probes back to your IP at those ports and tell you whether they're open or closed. So you're able to do a, a custom port probe that way or just do the normal full service port scan, which, which doesn't take very long. It tests ports uh, 1 through 1056, I think it is, that I'm testing. So, so again, ports that are shown internally are not necessarily exposed, but they... They do represent something in your machine that would like to have the opportunity to talk on the Internet. So, for example, you could have a Trojan in your machine, which is not detected by any external software, like the Shields Up won't see because you're being protected by a router or by your so by your software firewall. Nonetheless, you've got a Trojan. You, you might have a Trojan which has opened a port, a back door, 
that is wanting and hoping for someone to connect to it. So it would be listening then. So it would be listening. And so so this is still very useful information because it shows you what's going on that would like to be have conversation. Even though it can't, you may want to get rid of it. It may be something you don't want in your computer. So again, this NetStack command is like the way to do that. Um, I also fired up Cario wall, uh, Cario, the Cario firewall briefly because I, w- I was sure that I remembered that it had built in a, its own very nice connection monitor. And I wanted just to verify that it did. And indeed it does. In, in, in the overview, uh, there is a connections tab. And Cario itself will show you all of the current connections that it has through itself. So there's another way, if you happen to be using Cario and it's installed, uh, to see what's going on. That's but free again, as well from sunbelt-software.com. Exactly. Right. And um, but, but again, it's something that you have to install, and the NetStack command is sort of a superset of that because it'll show even things that are listening and haven't yet been able to establish a connection. Now here's a question for you. If I have a rootkit like the Sony rootkit, and it's listening. Is it visible in Netstat? Well, the, I don't think the Sony rootkit was opening a port and listening. So, so I wouldn't say that you could count on Netstat, for example, like to be a, a comprehensive process list that right. would show you all the processes running. Well, I, never, it, I didn't know, in fact, a rootkit would not show up in the process list. I wonder if it would show up, though, in the uh, Netstat list as making a connection. Um, I guess well, unless it had its own stack. If it had its own stack, you wouldn't see it. Um, it would be it, it, a, a huge a lot of work to circumvent the the stack and get down to the adapter, but you certainly could. For for example, there are um, there are uh, network monitoring tools which which install a low level driver that allows them that allow them to sniff the network traffic and right. they don't show in netstat right. so it, it is really for for things that are playing by the rules and behaving themselves i, I it, and i think I, I see why you've raised the point Leo. it's a very good one this does is not a guaranteed display of absolutely everything going on because it's running in, and this is a, you know one of our standard laws of security. Because it's running in the same computer that that you're questioning whether something malicious might also be sharing. There's just there's no way you can ever trust anything in the same machine as the one that might be hosting something malicious. That just there just isn't a way. And that's why people will use programs like Nmap from outside the machine. To check those kinds of connections. Well, yes, and in fact, we we, we talked last week about the idea of, uh, and, and this was one of the questions raised in last week's Q and A. Someone was asking, you know, how can I be really sure about what's going on? And the answer was, well, you can you can you know use a program like Netstat, a command like Netstat, to to probably see what's going on, and it's certainly super useful um, in ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the cases. But to to really know, you'd have to be running running your machine's traffic through another machine and be watching the traffic there or perhaps have a personal fire uh, an external firewall or, or or router which is showing you what connections and traffic it has alive and open at any given time but you lose then as soon as you step outside the machine you lose the ability to know which programs are running inside your machine right and so I'll say lastly 
that Sys Internals has this program TCP View, which is freeware. There's a pro version, which is a not free but not very expensive. If you love TCP View, you can look and see what the additional features of TCP View Pro are. One of them, for example, is that in earlier versions of the OSs, 95, 98, I think in 2000, there is the TCP View won't show you the processes running. TCP View Pro does, which is, you know, as we've said, is very useful to see who is listening, who is opening ports and established connections. Um, TCP View Pro will do that for all versions of Windows operating systems. And again, it's you know, if you get comfortable with Netstat, the actual command line that we've been talking about, and, and then run TCP View, the, even the freeware version, you'll see it's exactly the same sort of display. It's very comfortable, and it allows you just to kind of keep an eye on what's going on in your computer from from moment to moment, and very handy. If you want to keep an eye on what's going on in your computer all the time, may I recommend our lovely sponsor, the Astaro Corporation, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. If your small or medium business network needs superior protection from spam, viruses, hackers, as well as complete VPN capabilities, intrusion protection, content filtering, and an industrial strength firewall, all in a very easy to use, high performance appliance, I want you to contact Astaro, A S T A R O dot com, or call 877 the number 4 A S T A R O. You can schedule a free trial of the Astaro Security Gateway Appliance in your business. And of course, if you're a non commercial user, you can download the software ASG for home use at the same site, A S T A R O dot com. We thank them for their support. And as long as we're giving plugs out, we can't forget to plug our good friends at GRC.com. That's Steve's site. You know, I, you know, you were talking about how Mark and uh, Assistant Internals have been giving away all this great software and everybody loves it. I was just thinking, you've done much the same thing. You have a lot of very useful free utilities that you've put out there. Yeah, well, you know, I've written things that there's been a need for. There was, you know, when when firewalls weren't checking, as we were talking before, that the real program was what was happening um, w- w- um, the, the program might be masquerading as a different file name, I wrote leak test. Right. When I discovered that uh, that Oriate spyware, I wrote opt-out to be you know the very first spyware eliminator, de- de- detector and eliminator. And then, of course, through the years, I've continued to write There's freeware. more and more, yeah. Exactly. Decombobulator, shoot the messenger, un- unplug and pray. Well, in fact, you and I first met at Tech TV when I had tip, trouble in paradise. Yeah, the click of death. The click of death yeah. for, for the iOmega cartridges. Yep. You've always been a boon. Anybody who wants to know more and should, everybody who's, who's testing their security should be trying it through Shields Up. It's grc.com. You'll see a link there for Shields Up. And of course, Steve's bread and butter, the fabulous Spinrite, S-P-I-N-R-I-T-E, which is everybody, including my, me personally, my favorite disk recovery and maintenance utility. You learn, it's, you know, if you're interested in information, you know, it's fun to look at Netstat, but you want to find out more about what your hard drive's doing. Just run Spinrite. Unbelievable. You showed, true. There's a lot of information uh, there. You, you showed me, and this is something everybody should try out, uh, just watch how many error corrections a second your hard drive is doing. Yes. It's a lot. Well, and, 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 and actually, it's fun because the, the, the ECC used to be something that was only being done in the event of a of like a problem with a sector that needed to be relocated now drives density has gotten so high that ECC is happening on the fly all the time all the time but what's 
what's neat is that it creates a, a a very useful early warning system. If the rate, that is the the level of ECC, started to increase over what it was when the drive was new, that would be an early red flag that the drive was having more trouble. Certainly, and something, spin, yeah. spin right will show that to you. It's interesting, but it's it's a great diagnostic. Spin right is really. I mean, anybody who works with hard drives knows. I don't have to tell them. But uh, for those of you who are, are new to this or have a problem with hard drive that you want to recover or just want to know more, S-P-I-N-R-I-T-E dot info. That's all the testimonials and a link to where you can get a copy of Spinrite for yourself from GRC.com. We have come to the end of, a, I think, one of the most interesting shows. I think NetStat is it's such a useful tool. And that, I love tools where you can investigate your system. I know, I know users do, too. Well, it's a little daunting when you first give the command, but if people will will not run away from the screen, just sort of sit there and go, okay, now, wait. well, and in fact, I think if people do netstat space hyphen AB, they're going to see a bunch of stuff, and and just like you did, Leo, it's like, okay, Whoa, what's, what's, go, what's going on? <laughs> Why is France connecting? <laughs> no, but and, exactly, and, and you know, that's what we're all about. We're, we This show, and in fact, not all of the shows on Twit.tv are not aimed at people who don't just want to use the computer and not and not curious about it not interested in how it's working or what it's doing or but but we're aimed at people who are curious and if you're interested in your machine this is this is just a great little tool i think everybody who listens will want to know more thank you steve uh reminder we've got a brand new site twit.tv all new fresh and shiny just for you the paint it is dry really nice really yeah and nice it's much deal. easier i think now to find the podcast and listen to them right on the site with a great flash player that was uh, designed by mike hoag so thank you mike for that um, and there's also the donation buttons, and uh, we certainly do appreciate your donations. They are what keeps this podcast afloat. I, just to make it clear, you know, we do have advertising. That money goes to the the podcasters, the contributors, as salaries. the The money that you donate goes to infrastructure, things like the web design, the bandwidth, the web hosting, the rental for the offices, the equipment, all of that stuff. And those expenses are not minuscule, trust me. Um, we really, Your contribution has made this network possible, and we really do thank you for that. TWIT.TV. And now, my friends, the time has come to say goodnight to little Stevie Gibson. <laughs> for one week. For one week. Next week. Next week is we're going to plow into a really interesting topic which is virtual machine technology oh i'm excited we're going to begin that that's going to be a two-parter isn't it it's going to be a multi-parter yeah um yeah. because i it's it's extremely useful and um i want to i want to lay down some foundation uh, again as i you know i want to approach this and really fully cover it because for for the growing concern of security virtual machine technology allows true sandboxing and encapsulation of potentially dangerous internet experiences in a way that won't allow anything that happens to affect anything outside the sandbox. It, nothing can get to your machine. Mm. So some really cool stuff there, and we'll start talking about it next week. Very cool. Thank you, Steve. We'll see you next time on Security Now. Security Now.